0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our Journey Through Philippians, Joyful Living, Unveiling the Heart of Philippians. This is part three, and this session we're going to talk about the conduct worthy of the gospel. This is a conduct that believers should exhibit um, in order to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through chapter 2, verses 18. And here's what Paul writes from prison in Rome to the church at Philippi in these verses. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come to you and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one, for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved, and that by God. Verse 29, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. Since you are going through the same struggle You saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If in any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself." Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. and crooked generation so then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life and then i will be able to boast on the day of christ that i did not run in labor uh, that i did not run or labor in vain but even if i am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith i am glad and rejoice with all of you so you too should be glad and rejoice with me so the big idea for this session is this if you don't if you do not hear anything else that i say throughout the rest of this episode i want you to hear this i want you to know this when believers are one in spirit and of one mind for christ personal preferences people's personalities, and public prerogatives do not matter because we are holding firm to the word of life, who is Jesus. Let me say that one more time. When believers, when Christians, when the church is one in spirit and one mind for Christ, our personal preferences, other people's personalities, and public prerogatives do not matter because we are holding firm to the word of life, who is Jesus Christ. So when we unpack these verses from chapter 1, verse 27, to chapter 2, verse 18, there are three pledges that believers must make to be unified around the gospel. And the first one is this, whatever happens, I will conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see this in verses um, 27 through 30 of chapter 1. The last few verses of chapter 1, we see that Paul is making this argument that whatever happens, we need to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love the way that Warren Wiersbe puts it. The greatest weapon against the devil is a godly life, and a local church that practices the truth, that behaves what it believes... Is going to defeat that enemy. This is the first essential for the victory in this in this battle. And so when we look at um, when we look at specifically verse 27, we see Paul using this wording um, striving side by side. Uh, we also see in, in chapter four, verse three, when we get to it in a few weeks, he uses this same wording word which would also, he uses it as labored. And so this is where we get our English word that is very similar to what we think of in athletics. And so Paul was no stranger to using athletics to help his readers understand concepts. And so Paul pictured the church as a team, and he reminded them that it is this teamwork that wins victories. You see, There was division in the church at Philippi. We see in chapter 4, verse 2, that there were two women who weren't getting along, and membership was taking sides, and there was division that was hindering the work of the church. That is very similar to today. When we look out across different churches, dividing, people leaving, getting upset because something didn't go their way, because they're not getting along with one another. Well, let me tell you this. The enemy is always happy to see internal divisions in a local ministry. Satan's motto, and too often he has his way by this, is divide and conquer. That's his motto. But only as believers stand together can we overcome Satan. Only when we stand together can we overcome the wicked one. So each person, each believer, each person in the church has his or her assigned place and job if he is doing his job, it helps all of the others. Not everybody can be the captain. Not everybody can be the quarterback. The team has to follow the rules, and the Word of God is our rule book. There is but one goal, and that goal is to honor Christ and do His will. If we all work together, we can reach that goal. We can win the prize. We can glorify the Lord through our actions. But the minute The very moment that any of us starts disobeying the rules, quits training, and by the way, the Christian life does demand discipline, and the moment that any of us looks for glory, the teamwork disappears and division and competition take over. That's why it's so important that we pledge, that we vow to the church, to the gospel, to advance the gospel, that we will conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, the second pledge is this. I will, in humility, value others above myself having the same mindset in Christ Jesus. And Paul writes about this in chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And he starts off by saying in verse 1, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit if any, tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. And so when he's saying this, he is saying, we have got to be one in mind and value others above ourselves. That is the mindset of Jesus Christ. During the early days of the Confederacy, Robert E. Lee was severely criticized by General W.H.C. Whiting. Most people would have retaliated. I know I would have. I get a little hot-headed sometimes, but most people would retaliate and probably try to to win the the criticism. One day, President um, Jefferson Davis invited General Lee to share his appraisal, what he thought of General Whiting, with him. And so the noble Virginian commended Whiting in the highest terms. This took everybody by surprise, and so an officer took General Lee aside and reminded him of what General Whiting's verbiage against him was, to which General Lee replied, I understood that the president desired to know my opinion of Whiting, not Whiting's opinion of me. And so what he was doing here is he was considering someone valuing them above himself, And so a willingness to serve is a trademark of humility and Christ-likeness. When when we serve others, that is exactly us being like Jesus Christ. Let me let you in on a little secret. People can rob us of our joy. Did you know that? People can rob you of your joy. And sometimes it seems like people are trying to do that on a daily basis. But let me let you in on another little secret. We can rob people of their joy. And that happens all too often as well. So in in Philippians two verses six through eight, Christ, what we see here, Christ is descended step by step from his place of equality with the Father in heaven. listen listen to these verses one more time. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So we see Christ going from being with God, being God, descending himself down to the position to the to the place on the cross but then it is flipped verses 9 through 11 shows god exalting jesus christ in ascending steps so 6 through 8 the steps are descended where he's coming down from heaven to save us Nine through eleven, it has been finished. He is taking ascending steps, and so this pattern is for all who follow the Lord's example. What we see in Matthew chapter twenty, verses twenty through twenty-seven, um, the 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 mother wanted to know, um, wanted her sons to sit at the right hand, left side of Jesus, and and so Jesus says, uh, she says, these two sons of mine are to sit at your right and left. In verses twenty-six through twenty-seven, Jesus responds to her. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And so our position, our place is to value others more than ourselves. We are not wanting to elevate ourselves. Jesus didn't elevate himself. He humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. So let's follow in his example. Number three, The third pledge is, I will do everything without grumbling or arguing to become blameless and pure. And we see these in the last few verses that we read um, of chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. And what is so beautiful here is um, Paul is not just getting on to them because of their mindset. And you know, being a church, there was some grumbling and things going on. And so Paul just reminds them kindly, do everything without grumbling or arguing. In verse 14, he says, you know, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And so once there was a disturbed lady and she (laughs) asked the pastor if he thought that it would be right to have a funeral uh, for her dog. Okay, so since the dog was, like she said, like a member of the family, the preacher agreed it would be appropriate, okay, whatever, Uh, the tearful lady continued, "'Pastor, who do I get to have the funeral?' Um, and I, I, there are so many times that church members ask me to, to do things or whatever, and I try to head it off really quick if it's something that I don't want to do. So, so probably like me, this pastor, not exactly thrilled at the prospect of uh, rendering such a ministry, the pastor replied, I have such a demanding schedule tomorrow. Why not try Brother Smith down the road at the Pentecostal church? So, She was so excited, and she said, "Very well, Pastor. But please tell me, um, how much should I pay the minister for his services? Two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars?" Well, at that point, the eyes of the pastor matched his face, putting his arm around the bereaved woman. He said, "My." Dear, why didn't you tell me your dog was a Baptist? <laughs> and so it's amazing how, you know, our attitude can go from one extreme to the next. You know, we don't want to be bothered by certain, uh, certain people. And then all of a sudden, when it works to our advantage, oh, we're just, we're ready to help and minister to someone. Um, but here, here's the thing. All Christians should practice good works. They should act, talk, and live differently. This is our necessary response. So no matter what's going on, whether it's someone you just really don't want to deal with or a situation that has come up in your life, in the church, in your family, in your business, all Christians should practice good works, talk, act, live differently, because this is our necessary response. Some people approach life with an attitude that, makes for hard going. They were born um, objecting to any and everything anyone else says or suggests. We all know people like that. They always have a chip on their shoulder and they they dare look anyone um, uh, or they they dare um, anyone to knock that chip off of their shoulder. So such people claim, well, God made me this way. Well, you know what? I just do not agree with that. Actually, They are victims of their own doing. They never grew out of the brat stage of their childhood. They are unhappy, and they make everyone else around them unhappy. These people, they are the sand in the gears and life of the church, and they are not fun or pleasant to be around. So Jesus spoke of Christians, though, being lights, being salt, and not being, you know, objecting to everything and and anything and having chips on their shoulder. He said in Matthew 5, 14, 16, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so we either shine for the Lord or we hide our light. A light is of no value unless it is used. The church often does not impact the world because the Christians are not producing good works. So in in this section, uh, specifically verses 14, 15, 16, Paul issued a command, verse 14, and gave an extended purpose for that command in fifteen and sixteen. So many aspects of um, of these verses sound much like Moses's writing in Deuteronomy, where Moses made his farewell address. Moses complained that Israel was a crooked and perverse generation, and that no doubt brought to people's uh, brought to mind the people's grumblings against Moses in the wilderness. The fact is. The Philippians, the church at Philippi, they had the possibility of being blameless among a crooked generation. Whatever the problem, it was a concern that affected the moral life of the church, and it is and its witness to the world. and And Paul implied that if dissension stopped, the church would be on its way to purity of life and action. So let let's let's plug that in right here, shall we? the fact is the american christian church has the possibility of being blameless among a crooked generation we see problems left and right so it these concerns they affect the moral life of the church and its witness to the world and so if we stop the dissension and implement unity the church will be on its way to purity of life and action, and people will come in droves to salvation in Jesus Christ because it will be something that is irresistible to them. So let me let me remind you of what our big idea was for this session. When believers are one in spirit and of one mind for Christ, personal preferences, people's personalities and public prerogatives do not matter because we are holding firm to the word of life, Jesus.